and for those of us already represented by the good soil. So don't hear me say that none of y'all are good soil. That's not true. I'm sure there's a percentage in here <laughs> that's good soil. But for those of us already represented by the good soil, we're not let off the hook here. We are not let off the hook here. There was this movie back in 1992 called White Men Can't Jump. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's one of my favorites back when I was a teenager. It's a movie about two basketball hustlers, Billy Hoyle, played by Woody Harrelson, and Sidney Dean, played by Wesley Snipes, who meet and decide to make money together hustling basketball courts. That's basically what the movie is centered around, but there's this really great theme in the movie that is launched from an incredible scene. While driving to or from one of their games, Billy pops a cassette tape of Jimi Hendrix into the tape deck. Sidney incredulously asks Billy why he's playing Jimi Hendrix. Billy says, because I like to listen to him. And Sidney responds, that's what the problem is. Y'all listen. Billy says, well, what am I supposed to do? Eat it? And he says, no, you're supposed to hear it. That was Sidney's reply. Well, I just said I like to listen to it, said Billy. No, 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 no. There's a difference between listening and hearing. Sidney goes on then to point out that the difference in listening and hearing results in part due to the differences in their racial and ethnic experiences and how that plays into their ability to fully understand the passions and inspirations around the music of Jimi Hendrix. It's basically saying, Billy, white guy, cannot hear Jimi Hendrix like a black person. That's the whole point of that line. He's saying that there's a big old difference between experiencing, like hearing something, and fully understanding something. And that theme of listening versus hearing comes up again and again throughout that movie. At one point, Sidney even tells Billy a great bit of advice when it comes to dealing with his relationship troubles that he's having with his fiancée, Gloria. Sidney tells Billy, listen to the woman. And this all culminates in a conversation right at the end of the movie between Billy and Sidney once again. They're at that point in the movie, Billy's fiancée, Gloria, has left him because he didn't listen to her repeated pleas to change his ways. So Billy and Sidney are standing there talking about it all and kind of reflecting on the events of the movie as they've unfolded. And Billy asks Sidney this question. He says, if I listen to the woman, does that mean I have to hear the woman? And Sidney says, no, no, no. You just start by listening. And that movie, that theme, is just, it runs rampant through this movie that you would think has nothing to do with today's passage, but it has everything to do with today's passage because the whole theme is centered around that big difference between listening and hearing. Hearing, as it's used in this movie, brings with it a sense of understanding, of fully knowing to the point of real understanding. This sense of internalized understanding brings with it a sense of externalized behavior or action. Put differently, when one hears something, they understand it. And when they understand it, it changes who they are because they relate to it on a deeper level than just having been exposed to it. They truly experience a thing. And the same thing is happening in our Matthew passage today. The parable of the sower told by Jesus to a large crowd along the shore of a lake illustrates a fundamental truth about how we receive and respond to his teachings about the kingdom of God. So we're going to be focusing on the two crucial aspects today the distinction between hearing and truly understanding Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of God and the boundless grace of God symbolized by the indiscriminate sowing of seeds. So we're going to get into both of that, both of those. And we'll start with the difference between hearing and understanding. Let me read verse 23 to you again to set the scene. 
But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. It's worth pointing out that the word translated as understands in verse 23 is senemi. It's a Greek term that suggests a deep, comprehensive understanding that combines both intellectual comprehension and personal application that's all built up into this word. It's not just an intellectual understanding, but it refers to an understanding that permeates and influences one's actions and lifestyle. It's the kind of understanding that profoundly impacts how one lives. So it's the kind of knowing that leads to doing. So this word that we translate as understand is an active term. It's not just about going to school. <laughs> it's about going to school and then doing something with it. Two plus two means nothing if you don't have the creativity to actually do something with it. With this understanding of Sinemi, it's clear that Jesus' parable speaks to a deep, personal, and applied understanding of the word of the kingdom as integral to bearing fruit. The seeds sown in good soil symbolize those who not only hear the message, but also understand it in this profound, transformative way, impacting their actions, attitudes, and entire life. The reason why the word sinemi in combination with the imagery of the good soil stands out is because it encapsulates a key message of the parable. Each type of soil represents different responses to the word of God, but it is only the good soil representing a person with an open and understanding heart that produces a fruitful yield. The other aspect of this passage that is not readily obvious, it's not something that I ever hear preached about on this passage, but is right there if we can see it, is this is a passage that illustrates God's grace while also talking about these other types of soil. How does it talk about God's grace? Well, what about the other types of soil? What happens to them? The different types of soil in this parable are reflections of the condition of one's heart, whether hardened, shallow, preoccupied, or receptive. And this condition of the heart determines one's response to the message of God's kingdom. One of the most amazing aspects of this passage, which would not have been lost on the people listening to Jesus or to any modern-day farmer, or gardener for that matter, if y'all have a garden, you'll know this, it's the fact that the sower of the seeds, in this case Jesus and his teachings about the kingdom of God, the sower of the seeds spreads those seeds to everyone, everywhere, regardless of their ability to be good soil at the time. It's nonsensical. This is the worst gardening plan ever. There's no, there's no planning. It's just, we're getting it out there. To, like, just spread it everywhere and see what happens. God knows what happens. Jesus talks about what happens, but that does not stop the sowing of seed to everyone, everywhere, regardless of their ability to be good soil at the time. Now, it has been my experience as a pastor that most regular church attenders consider themselves a part of the good soil. Heck, most non-church-going Christians identify themselves as part of the good soil. Of course we understand. Everyone thinks that. Everyone thinks that. Everyone thinks that no one understands it as well as they do. I'm subject to this as well. Everybody thinks that they're the only ones who understand it as well as they do. And it's because we Christians love to have our villains. So in this parable, we consider the good soil, the good guys, and all the other types of soil, the bad guys, or at least they are people of lesser value and piety than us. And we plant ourselves, pun intended, right in the good soil camp. You see, a common human tendency is to see ourselves in the best light possible, while assuming the worst about everyone else. 
Many Christians might identify themselves with the good soil because they're actively participating in religious activities and making efforts to follow Jesus' teachings. This passage invites us, each of us, regardless of how frequently we attend church or how confident we feel in our faith, to continually examine the state of our own hearts. The truth is, our hearts can fluctuate among these various states represented by the different types of soil. When the seed falls on the hard path, it doesn't penetrate the soil because the ground is too hard. In the spiritual sense, this represents a hardened heart. Just as the birds come and eat the seeds on the path, the word of the kingdom, when sown in a hardened heart, doesn't take root and is quickly snatched away. We may sometimes become hardened. Even if we're good soil, we may sometimes become hardened. This could be due to various reasons, skepticism, cynicism, a bitter past, a bitter present, or simply the refusal to be open to anything new or challenging. And so we close ourselves off from receiving God's word. If you think you can't learn anymore, this is you. Seeds on the rocky ground initially sprout quickly because there's not much soil to inhibit their growth, but without deep soil, the plants can't develop strong roots. When the sun's heat intensifies, this plant quickly withers away. These can be likened to a shallow or impulsive heart that receives the word with initial enthusiasm, but when challenges, hardships, or persecutions come, just like the scorching sun, the person falls away because their faith has no depth or resilience. We may be shallow at times in our understanding and our application of the word. Enthusiastic in the moment, but without the depth of faith to endure when trials come. Thorns represent the worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth, or simply the lure of other desires that distract and consume a person. Now, we're going to hear this, probably, church folk, as the people who don't come to church. They're the thorny soil because they are preoccupied with the world. I promise you that is not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about a condition of the heart that affects every one of us from time to time. When we put our job before God, when we put any other pursuit, pursuit, especially wealth though, money. Money's the big one. And we can even do this inside the church. When we make our mission decisions based on financial limitations and not the hope and expectation of God's abundance, we are acting as thorny soil. When the seeds fall among thorns, the growing plants are choked. The preoccupied heart here, filled with various concerns and desires, cannot sustain growth of the word of the kingdom. The person may hear the word, but these other preoccupations prevent the message from bearing fruit in our lives. There may be moments when we are preoccupied in our lives, when we are preoccupied by various concerns, our jobs, our relationships, our ambitions, sometimes all of these, sometimes more than these. And these preoccupations choke out the word in our hearts. And I've already talked about what constitutes the good soil, the receptive heart open to understanding. It's important to remember that the soils in this parable are not fixed, unchangeable types. That is very important here. They're not fixed, unchangeable types, but rather they represent different states our hearts can be in at different times. It's entirely possible for someone to move from being rocky or thorny soil to becoming good soil as they grow in their faith and as their understanding deepens. So some good questions to ask ourselves might be, how am I truly receiving and responding to the word of the kingdom? Are there areas in my life that might represent the hardened path, the rocky ground, 
the preoccupied thorns? How can I nurture my heart to be more like the good soil? This is a process, not a one-time event, just like our Methodist understanding of salvation. It's a process, not a one-time event. The journey of faith involves continuous cultivation of our hearts to be more receptive and understanding, just as a farmer would continuously tend to their field to make it more fertile. I have a farmer friend who sends me pictures like every single day of the work he's doing out on the farm. And if he thought the state of his field, of his soil, was a one-time, one-and-done thing, he wouldn't bother. But he knows better, just like God knows better and we should know better. It's not necessarily a linear journey from hard path up the ranks to good soil either. So if you're hardened, you don't have to move through the others to become good. This is literally moving from one to good. You can do that. We can move from wherever we are to be more open and receptive. But what does that look like when we move from being one type of soil to another? What happens when the condition of our hearts move into good soil territory? If those represented by the hardened path softened our hearts and become more receptive, we will no longer ignore or be indifferent to God's word. We might begin to actively seek out spiritual teaching, spend more time in prayer or meditation, and try to apply the teachings of Jesus in our everyday lives. The result would be a life increasingly aligned with the values of the kingdom of God. If those of us represented by the rocky ground allow the word to take root deeply in our lives, we would be able to remain faithful even during trials and tribulations. We might show more resilience and perseverance in our faith journey, which could involve actively participating in a faith community if we're, if we're not already, seeking counsel when faced with challenges, which a lot of us don't like to do. I've talked about this multiple times recently. We don't like to ask for help. And maintaining trust in God even in difficult times. Maintaining trust in God even in difficult times. If those of us represented by the thorny ground prioritize the word over worldly worries and wealth, our focus will shift from self-centered goals to kingdom-centered ones. We may become more generous, sharing our resources with those in need, and we may exhibit a greater trust in God's provision. I, I talked about that a little bit with the finances of the church. Right? We'd be more generous with our resources and less fearful that God will not provide. Our lives might be less dominated by the pursuit of wealth or security and more characterized by a focus on justice, mercy, and love. Justice, mercy, and love always expose us to risk. Jesus is a prime example of that. And for those of us already represented by the good soil, so don't hear me say that none of y'all are good soil. That's not true. I'm sure there's a percentage in here <laughs> that's good soil. But for those of us already represented by the good soil, we're not let off the hook here. We are not let off the hook here. A further change of mind or deepening of understanding would result in even greater fruitfulness. We might grow in virtues like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as described in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We might be inspired to serve others more, participate actively in our communities more, and strive to embody the values of the kingdom of God in all aspects of our lives more. There's always more. There's always more. And all of that explanation on soil and heart conditions and what happens if we change brings me back around to my original statement that God's love and grace, as shown by the sower spreading seeds to everyone, everywhere, regardless of our state of mind and state of being, that love and grace is not limited to our human expectations on how to plant for the best harvest. 
It's not limited to our understanding of how to grow a garden, how to sow seeds in a field for the best yield. Jesus understood one thing that we should all remember. God is in the transformation business, and God can transform anyone, anytime, wherever they are. That is why the sower sows indiscriminately, and that is why we, as followers of Jesus, should do the same. We should not judge which soil we think is worthy of receiving the seeds. That's not what we're called to do. We simply sow. We simply sow. We sow love. We sow grace. We sow mercy. And we sow hope. We sow the seeds in hope of a world ruled by such ideas. And God makes the required transformation. Whatever God determines that to be. And that's another sort of side thing. We don't get to determine what needs transformed or how it gets transformed. We just sow the seeds and God does the transformation. God decides what gets transformed, not us. So how do we go be Jesus in all of this? How do we go be Jesus in all of this? We go be Jesus by embodying the radical generosity of the sower, sharing God's love, grace, and truth without judgment or reserve. We go be Jesus by scattering the seeds of God's word in every corner of our lives, not withholding them because of the perceived state of our soil. Which means like even if we're in the good soil, we still sow the seeds in our lives. We can go be Jesus by cultivating the condition of our hearts to resemble good soil, open, receptive, and ripe for divine transformation. We can go be Jesus by seeking to not just hear, but to genuinely understand and embody the teachings of Jesus in our lives. We can go be Jesus by remembering that anyone, anywhere, can have a changed heart. No matter if we think someone's heart is hard, shallow, or preoccupied, we can still all show a little more grace because we've all been there before, too. We've all been there before. We can go be Jesus by actively living out the values of God's kingdom in our day-to-day -day interactions, becoming a living, breathing testament to God's unending grace. Amen? Amen. Amen.